How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Thanks to Toby for the update. Welcome back. We're Grant and Danny, and you are listening to 106.7 The Fan. It has been a crazy last 24 hours on the Dan Snyder front. Really, I mean, I keep talking about the last day or so. You go back to the weekend, you had a multitude of huge reports on Snyder. So we're going on basically five days in a row with bombshell after bombshell. What if there's nothing tomorrow? I'll feel kind of left out. I will go through withdrawal. Culminating with perhaps the biggest development and most groundbreaking of all the stories on Snyder during this sale process, which came down today from one of the great writers and reporters in the country, Don Van Notta Jr. of ESPN, who joins us on the BetQL guest hotline right now. Bet smarter to beat the books. Download the BetQL app. Visit betql.com don thank you for hopping on how are you sir doing great guys how are you today we're doing very well i certainly appreciate the time how did you start tugging on this thread with this story you know what kind of piqued your interest and and walk us through it well in early november i broke the story that there was a criminal investigation going on in the eastern district of virginia and alexandria and Right after that story broke, I decided to try to find out as much as I could about precisely what the prosecutors and agents there were looking into. And I discovered that this $55 million credit line, this secret loan, if you will, was uh, central to what they're investigating. And then I was able to get my hands on some confidential documents that laid out the clash between Dan Snyder and his three limited partners. And uh, I was off to the races after that. Don, we will get to the idea of bank fraud and and the criminal inquiry. But with some of these anecdotes, which are stunning, and we've gone through them all on the air with our listeners, you know, Dan paying himself from the team $4.5 million to put the the logo on his plane or some of the the money he's paying himself for his 60 employees, those types of things. How much of that, and forgive my terminology here, is like your normal shady billionaire business guy practices of like, mixing potions with his own money and his company money, and how much of that is a real problem? Well, there's certainly some of that, right? There's, I think that in a lot of businesses, there's a blurring of lines uh, between, you know, what money goes for expenses, if you will, versus uh, uh, personal money. But it's pretty hard when you look at the $4.5 million of an advertising fee to put a logo on a personal jet when it's really that personal jet is not out in the world. It's in, it's, in a, it's in a private hangar when it's not flying around. And so what's the advertising value? And the allegation by the limited partners is that this was a way, a very creative way for Dan Snyder to siphon off more money 
Remember, 40 cents on the dollar belonged to these partners, and they didn't know that Snyder was paying himself $4.5 million for this advertising fee for his jet, for the, for the logo. And so it's their allegation that this is Snyder doing something wrong behind their backs, and they wanted the NFL to look at it. And, uh, you know, as my story pointed out, the NFL really didn't do much with any of the allegations that the partners made uh, as part of their arbitration petition they filed back in 2020. ESPN's Don Venata with us here on Grant and Danny. And I wanted to get to that with, with you, Don. The three minority partners, uh, Rothman, Shar, and, and Smith, um, it just seems to, again, they're the billionaires, they're fine. So I'm not, you know, crying any tears here, but still, they seem to have gotten a raw deal in all this on, on several fronts. Walk me through what they knew when and kind of, you know, how they ended up just sort of getting some money to, to go away. Well, in April of 2020, uh, they discovered in a footnote, so in, in the fine print of a financial audit, the fact that the team had taken out a $55 million credit line with Bank of America. They knew nothing about it. They never were asked to approve it as members of the board. Uh, the team bylaws say anytime new debt has to be taken, it has to be approved by the board of directors. They're three of the six members. It was never brought to them by Snyder. They knew nothing about it for 16 months. That same month, Snyder, they allege, did not pay them a quarterly payment that they were owed. So they start digging into the financials of the team and discover that $4.5 million payment I discussed and a whole bunch of other things, and it really ended, ended up breaking up the partnership. I mean, it was on its last legs anyway, but it led to the partners filing this uh, NFL arbitration petition and the partners wanted the NFL to investigate, in particular, that Bank of America loan. And they asked the NFL arbitrator to send a summons to Bank of America to find out whether or not there had been fraud or not. And within days, the arbitrator said, we're going to end the arbitration and move the entire matter to mediation. And the mediation was headed up by Roger Goodell, the NFL commissioner, Jeff Pash, the NFL general counsel. Uh, just a couple weeks after the arbitration was closed. And just a few months later, Snyder bought out the three partners for $875 million. What's interesting about that number, guys, as you probably know, is if Snyder gets $7 billion for his team, 40% of that is $2.8 billion. So the three partners are out about $2 billion in less than two years. Um, and that's a lot of money even for billionaires. That gets billionaires' attention, that kind of money. Uh, losing out on that in a course of less than 24 months. The voice of Don Vanata Jr. of ESPN. You know, along those lines then, I guess two-parter follow-up on that, do you have any insight into why the NFL didn't look into the $55 million loan? Because that's what the three minority owners wanted to know. How did he get this loan without us? The bank was asking for our signatures, our uh, agreement, we never gave it to them, and eventually he got the loan. Obviously, Goodell wouldn't look into that based on your reporting. Do we know why? And then second part of that would be, why did the minority owners even agree to the mediation that allowed Goodell and Pash to force them into the sale? Both really good questions. On your first question, I don't know why uh, the NFL decided to do that. I mean, I can tell you guys that at the same time the mediation uh, or the arbitration was going on, Beth Wilkinson was investigating Snyder for sexual misconduct, for the toxic workplace culture. And we know that just a few months later, that led to a $10 million fine and Snyder stepping away from the team, but no final report. So 
it does raise a question, was the NFL protecting Snyder on two fronts, on the Wilkinson investigation, where there was just a slap on the wrist, arguably, and then also on these financial misconduct allegations, including the bank loan, where nothing was ever investigated by the NFL arbitrator. On the mediation question, we have reporting in our story that Fred Smith, the co-founder and CEO of FedEx, one of Snyder's partners, his son, Arthur Smith, uh, at the time, back in 2021, was an offensive coordinator for the Tennessee Titans. He's now the head coach for the Atlanta Falcons. I had a source tell me that Smith was just so done with Snyder, wanted to be out, and was worried if they had created a big issue for the NFL over this bank loan, Smith was worried that his son would possibly, his career would be derailed or something bad would happen to him. So it was a dad looking out for his son and just said, look, I'm out. We'll take whatever we can get and move on. Uh, Don, could you talk about Snyder blocking the initial sale um, of the minority stake? I guess allegedly that was with, Smith as well, which was also Smith, which I guess would be, according to the complaint, would basically say any due diligence would discover these improprieties here that, that Snyder's alleged to to have committed. Break that down for us. Yeah, that's one of the really interesting parts of this uh, of this arbitration petition. So back in 2018, Fred Smith had somebody. Uh, a very wealthy individual who was willing to buy his 10% stake in the team. Uh, it's a guy named Arthur Kestenbaum. And so Smith goes to Snyder and says, I want to sell my 10% to Kestenbaum. Snyder tells Smith, according to the petition, the NFL owners are not going to accept him uh, as a minority partner. So no, you can't do it. Well, it turns out Kestenbaum the following year buys a percentage of the Atlanta Falcons from the owner, Arthur Blank, and the NFL owners accept him. So the allegation by Fred Smith's attorneys is that Snyder purposefully blocked Smith from selling to Kestenbaum because Snyder was worried that Kestenbaum would ask for due diligence, look into the books, and would discover all of the things that are laid out in this arbitration petition, you know, of allegedly Snyder using the team as his personal piggy bank. Don Van Nata, ESPN, Grant and Danny. The story is incredible. you got to check it out on ESPN.com. Going back to the three minority owners here, let's say, and I want to get to the bank fraud in a moment. That's kind of the grand finale, is that there's an incriminal inquiry, the FBI, IRS, DOJ is involved at this point. We can discuss that in a moment. But if, in fact, the minority owners, after selling, they kind of wash their hands of it, it's over, they get their $875 million, I'd imagine they can't go back at Dan now for money or or sue him or anything like that. So if he isn't found to have committed bank fraud or or a crime, so to speak, like where does this go, I guess, is my question. Does that make sense? If, if the other owners can't come back at him, it's bank fraud or nothing, I guess, in terms of him getting in trouble for any of this? Am I wrong about that? No, you're not wrong. So when the, the three minority partners... Uh, were bought out by Dan Snyder as part of that transaction. Uh, you know, there were non-disclosure agreements signed, and they uh, basically agreed that they would sue, would not sue Snyder on any issue. So you're absolutely right about that. Really, the only venue for these allegations now uh, are with the prosecutors in Virginia, who have sent out subpoenas. They've sent a subpoena to the team. 
as as well as other subpoenas. And I know for a fact they have the NFL arbitration petition uh, that lays out all of the partners' allegations about financial misconduct against Snyder. What would they have to find to come back with the the idea that this was bank fraud? Like, what do they need that would they would consider a crime in this investigation? And what would that mean for Snyder if they decide he frauded the bank? Well, I I know that you know one thing, one way that they would be able to get to the bottom of this is to subpoena the bank records that Bank of America has. I mean, this is what the limited partners wanted the NFL to do as part of the arbitration, and that never happened. And they would be, sorry, they is the FBI and the IRS, or who? They they would be the the prosecutors, the FBI agents, through a grand jury subpoena, right, would, would actually go to Bank of America and look at what documents exist. And, and so, one of, the, one of the concerns that the partners had, and it's raised in this arbitration petition, is that repeatedly the bank was asking the commanders for the board resolution. The board resolution is a document that shows the board of directors gave Snyder the authority to get this $55 million credit line. But there's a whole bunch of documents that show that it may not have ever existed because the bank closed on the loan on December 13th, 2018. And a month later, there's, there's bank officials, bank lawyers asking the team still for the board resolution. So there may not be any board resolution or pro- perhaps they did submit something and it's pr- possibly phony. I mean, this is what the limited partners wanted the NFL arbitrator to find out about. The NFL arbitrator never did that. You know, went to mediation, as we've discussed. And so now the ball's in the court of these federal investigators to try to get to the bottom of it. But what, whatever they discover, guys, I assume, will lead them to you know, draw whatever conclusions they make of whether there'll be criminal charges here or not. So, Don, I'm sure you saw the terrific Washington Post reporting you know, from last night about Snyder demanding indemnification in sort of all future matters when it comes to the team and the sale and everything else. This sounds like a why he would want that. Right. These sound like potential criminal uh, proceedings. What are your thoughts there? Yeah, I, I, I found that timing very interesting that that came out, you know, just about 12 hours before our story landed. Uh-huh. And, yeah, you could certainly make the argument that, that that's anti- in anticipation of potential any, any kind of investigation, whether it's a criminal investigation uh, or possible civil liability as well. Um, and it might be something also that's, you know, that's necessary for a buyer to have because the fact that there's a criminal investigation hanging over the team, I'm, I'm assuming, would potentially affect the sale price, right? So, um, yes, the indemnification, uh, you know, with Snyder seeking that, uh, if he is, uh, certainly could play into what's going on in the Eastern District of Virginia. Excellent. Don Van Nata reporting that we're discussing with the author of the story who did the reporting here on G&D. We've got less than a minute left, so I apologize in advance, but I do want to crowbar one more thing in. My biggest takeaway from this reporting, non-potential crime division, if you will, it seems like Dan Snyder doesn't really have cash. It seems like he is struggling with liquidity. Is that what you found? Yes. It's throughout the 61-page arbitration petition that the partners filed with the NFL is 
Snyder being portrayed as cash poor, that he needs a credit line, they allege, to keep up his lavish lifestyle. I mean, they, remember, guys, they don't know where that money went. And that that $55 million credit line, 40 cents on the dollar, they're responsible for it. They didn't know about it for 16 months. And so they portray Snyder as somebody who the valuation of the team may be sky high, but there's a lot of debt. He had to go to Bank of America to, to get $450 million loan to buy out the partners for $875 million. So it, it's definitely a portrait of an owner who is uh, struggling with cash and liquidity and is scrambling um, to do what he can to make up for it. Don, outstanding with us and wonderful reporting. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. If you haven't read the story yet, you should. ESPN.com. Don Van Nata Jr., who just joined us, wrote the piece on Dan Snyder. I want to get into his last point about the lack of funds, perhaps, uh-huh. available it's to essential Dan. all of this, I think. And the football ramifications this offseason, what that could mean for the commanders and the actual team that gets fielded that you guys care about. Top of the hour, Josh Kosman of the New York Post. Remember, he had the story that Bezos is being frozen out. We'll ask him about that. Coming up in a little over 15 minutes, we're Grant and Danny. Trying to make sense of a couple of massive Dan Snyder stories that have come out over the last couple of days from the Washington Post yesterday, ESPN Today. This is essentially what our show has devolved into at this point. Like a panda watch with Brian Fantana, Snyder watch, as we wait to see what's going to happen with this potential sale. We've got Don Van Nata, Jr. of ESPN, joining us at 425, who wrote the big story for ESPN Today. Josh Kosman of the New York Post at 5. Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk at 6, all coming up on Grant and Danny. But right now on the BetQL guest hotline, bet smarter to beat the books. Download the BetQL app by visiting BetQL.com. Daniel Lust, a professor, law school, who we have on the show to talk about the intersection of sports and law as often as we can because he's very, very sharp. He's all over the place. He is on Twitter. You should give him a follow at Sports Law Lust. Dan, thanks so much for the time. How are you? I'm good. I'm happy to be in the leadoff spot here, guys. You got some some lineup for the show today. Well, it just never ends here, man. And and I'll be honest with you, if we're talking about the Payne franchise tag or the release of Carson Wentz, Danny and I are pretty qualified. We know what we're doing, but we have to bring in grown-ups on days like today to try to educate the masses, and that's why you're here. So I actually want to start with what I think is a simple but a super important question that might be a complicated answer, which is we just had someone call in and say that you know they have some background in this and, and believe that Dan broke the law, that this is indeed bank fraud. I'm not as convinced, but I don't know what I don't know. So you tell us. I mean, FBI, IRS are investigating. Did he do something criminally wrong? Well, I guess I guess let's start here, right? Federal prosecutors and and Don, I'm sure can explain on this. Uh, I think he's your next guest, but. Uh, according to Don's sources, right, that the federal prosecutors in Virginia are, are their primary focus is that $55 million loan. So, what, again, relying a lot on Don's reporting, so he can probably test this a little bit. But assuming that the shareholders agreement, as in between those minority partners, that they really required them approval for Snyder to take out a $55 million loan, that these minority owners of the team that own 40 percent, does it make sense that they would have to approve a, a loan of that magnitude? Yeah, uh, I think most most kind of deals like that would require that approval. So if Dan went around their backs and didn't tell them, right, he's in in a sense, right, depreciating the assets of the company and not 
advising them, right? Not telling them what's going on. And then kind of it goes a couple levels further, right? What level, you know, did the NFL know? What did Bank of America know? I'm, I'm not really thrilled with uh, what Donna is saying is the due diligence by Bank of America. So, yeah, this goes a couple levels here. And at the end of the day, right, it, it seems to be uh, some allegations of fraud that Dan Snyder was taking money and using the team as kind of his personal piggy bank. As Don kind of lays out, right, uh, yachts, uh, plane trips, this. Some of those can be, um, you know, with some degree of reliability, fair business expenses that can be written off. But if Snyder is just using this for his personal expenditures and that $4.5 million expense on, the, you know, the Redskins logo on his private plane, if those numbers don't make sense at the end of the day, it looks to be, right, potentially some form of a fraud. Guys, like I, when I grew up, I had those big fat heads in my room. Those cost like $20. <laughs> they didn't cost $4.5 million. Um, maybe you put some super glue, some Gorilla Glue on the plane. I don't know how you get to $4.5 million, and that's, that's Don's reporting right there. So seems like something fishy happened. Dan Lust on Grant and Danny. So to go back then, the minority owners claim that contractually they had to be told and to sign off on taking on that $55 million and they weren't. Let's assume that's correct and that in writing, contractually, Dan broke that rule with them. I thought that just meant they could sue him and go after him. That's a rule he broke with them. That doesn't mean it's fraud in the way of being charged. Am I wrong about that? Uh, at least with respect to that allegation, right? That could be a personal lawsuit between the two parties involved. But again, this story goes back two and a half years, right? We're talking about where you guys are in D.C. There's two consumer protection complaints that were filed against the team. There's the cooking the books allegations. There's the season ticket holders allegations. So if that's their primary focus, right? That, uh, again, according to Don's reporting, this $55 million loan, if you start unraveling it, seems to be tied to some personal expenses, so then you have to ask, right, uh, does Snyder just not have, is he not liquid, right? Does he not have the cash? Is there more that needs to be unwoven here with respect to the Washington franchise? So at the end of the day, you're taking consumer money. The feds are certainly going to care about that. They're certainly going to care about what you're doing with your taxes. So I'm not particularly sure what aspect uh, the feds are investigating. But uh, after two and a half years of covering this, there is no shortage of, of potential claims here um, that aren't just like, civil stuff or potentially getting booted out of the NFL. Uh, these are real potential criminal charges that could result here, specifically on the tax side, too. We're going to see at some point these books are going to get shown to somebody. Um, they can unwind that. But, you know, we're kind of speculating as to what charges they could. So you're the caller that called up and said, I know this is bank fraud. We don't really know anything, right? These are all allegations. So for you guys, right, we know uh, Snyder is heavy on the defamation trigger. This is all supposedly, reportedly. This is just what we're seeing from Don's article. So we can you know, with some degree of reliability, tell you what might happen. But until we actually see the books, until we see the charges, we can't speculate on how many years Wright Snyder's going to prison. I think anyone that's out on Twitter saying that, you know, they got to take a step back. Dan, the three minority owners here, and, and no one should feel sorry for them. They're billionaires. But did they get screwed here uh, in this circumstance? That $875 million payout for 40%, there's some math that doesn't add up to me. Talk about their grievance and all this. Yeah, so I, it's, I, I saw, I mean, uh, listen, I, I, I guess you guys are following this very closely. Um, on the legal side, you got to think about it, right? 40% of the team, I wasn't a math major. You know, I'm, I'm a lawyer. I, I, we get accounts to do our math for us. But, you know, let's put that in the vicinity of like $2.75 million, $3, million, or $3 billion, right? That's what 40% takes. And, and obviously, there's going to be some discount because if you're the minority shareholders of a team, you're not really entitled to a true 40% because you don't have, right, you don't get to control the team, right? Owning 51%. That's a very different game. So there's a premium of owning a majority share, 51%. That said, there's still a, 
kind of an unexplainable gap between the three billion right and the seven billion plus that Dan Snyder wants. Now, obviously, in the middle of all this, the Broncos sell for four billion dollars. Okay, it still doesn't get you to seven billion. So, if I'm uh, the attorney for these minority owners, or I'm just a minority owner, I'm just sitting here, I, I'd be wondering, hey. Those books that I was shown that got us to that $875 million sale, which put it at a kind of a $2.8 billion valuation, were those legit books? Were those cooked, right? There have been allegations of cooking the books. I'd like to know what was involved here because that number was agreed to based on books, financial records that Dan Snyder provided. There's some allegations that Snyder wasn't being transparent with the team's finances. So that's why, again, I hope, you, I hope everyone's following this, but there's the story that broke this week over from the Washington Post that Snyder is insisting on full indemnity from the NFL and their owners with respect to any potential sale. So if the team is sold, guess what's going to be opened up, boys? The books and records. And if those books and records don't match the books and records that we, we saw with respect to this minority sale, could be some potential allegations here, some potential, uh, you know, I want to say some lawsuits as in between the owners um, you know, the, majority, the minority owners in Snyder, and somebody might hear and say, get up and say, well, you know, wouldn't they have signed a release when they sold the team for $875 million? Wouldn't they have said, hey, we promise not to sue you, Dan? Maybe, but still, if there's fraud involved, you can probably get out of that type of release. So um, I, I still, I mean, it, it's so funny. Every time I think the story's going to end, there's another little level of the onion that we pull back. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't put close the book on a potential lawsuit as in between the majority owner, Dan Snyder, and those former minority owners. Follow Dan at Sports Law Lust. And one of your tweets here harken us back to a text conversation obtained by the Washington Post in 2020 between John Moog representing the minority ownership, trying to get, uh, you know, gin up some business for their sale of those shares. Uh, and Dan Snyder, some pieces fit now all of a sudden today, don't they? Um, I... I Listen, it's me. I'm, you, I hope you guys know I'm kind of a betting guy, right? I'm trying to figure out if we've cracked the case here. I might put it like minus 250 that we have cracked the case. Those John Moog texts, what the more serious, uh, I won't curse on the air, guys, the more serious S was. Um, guys, what, what else would John Moog know that's Let more serious Let me just remind people this? real quick, Daniel, because people driving around don't remember it probably. Moog sent the text was it to dan directly hey dan my lawyer sent me your your filing in which you are representing yourself pro se i'd be glad to represent myself pro se but only private discussions with you as well that requires a business deal not a legal process if you continue your game you know what i know and what i have never spoken about and you know it has nothing to do with the media bleep it's more serious bleep if you want to get to a clean conclusion let me know if you want a bleep show we are on for that too doesn't this sound like a mob movie? Yes. Right? This like, doesn't yes. sound like a, a 2023 dispute between billionaires. This sounds like something just drawn up out of Hollywood. So, yeah, I mean, this context is big. I mean, I, this, this thread that you guys are reading from, I mean, that's the insider stuff, people that are following those Moog texts. So Moog is the, you know, the owner or the, or the attorney for these minority shareholders. And at some point, the, you know, those three are getting into a, a little bit of a spat with Snyder. They want to sell the team. Snyder is saying, I have right of first refusal. But Snyder's not poning up the cash. So they try to take Snyder to an arbitration. And a lot of John, uh, Don's reporting, you can talk to him about it, I think is coming from that arbitration petition. So this text, Washington Post obtains it, I think, December of 2020. It's a couple, couple of years back. So as we've been seeing kind of the, you know, the cheerleader saga, uh, you know, the, the, everything that's gone on with the former employees of Congress cooking the books, I think in the sexual assault allegations and the hush money, 
And nothing really synced up. But then we look at this, right? John Moog is the attorney for these minority shareholders. He certainly knew about this, right? That the minority shareholders were claiming as part of their reason to sue that Dan wasn't being forthcoming with the financial books and records of the company. And maybe, again, this impermissible secret loan taking money away from the company. So this seems to check all of the boxes as to what the, you know, the quote, the more serious bleep would be. Uh, And one that, I mean, I said it on Twitter, right? You can't sign a release that prevents John Moog and these minority shareholders from cooperating with federal prosecutors. You can certainly make them sign a release to, you know, uh, try to not sue you for something, right? You release any and all potential claims and liabilities, but you can't stop them from speaking to the federal prosecutor. So, you know, listen, if they weren't talking to them already, which I have a feeling they, w- they were, uh, they, they got to be now at this point. Sports Law Lust. Go follow him on Twitter and on social media. You can see why we like going to Dan Lust when we've got questions about law and sports. Dan, thank you. We appreciate you. Appreciate you, Dan. My pleasure, guys. Anytime. That may have also answered part of the question about the indemnity when he says this might still lead to eventually minority owners coming back in to go after Dan post-sale, depending on what exactly. the team was worth and what he barred them from. We're granting Danny at the top of the hour in 20 minutes. We've got four-pack of tickets to the Capitals that could be yours. Speaking of the Caps, there is a rumored Caps trade to discuss. Sounds like another one of their veterans and a fan favorite could be on the move. We'll tell you about that next on G&D. Stretch run of what has been a marathon, Grant and Danny checking in with some of the news breakers and some analysts who have helped make a lot of sense of what's going on with the perspective and potential sale of the Washington Commanders in the news the last 24 hours on Dan Snyder. Starting with the Washington Post last night that he and his attorneys have demanded that the league and other owners give him indemnity against future legal liability and costs if he sells the team. And then this morning, the groundbreaking story from ESPN, a bombshell of sorts that he violated some league and contractual policies with his minority owners. Then he's being looked into for bank fraud, criminal inquiry, FBI, IRS, among those looking into him. Now let's talk to Mike Florio of pro football talk. Nobody's more plugged in in league circles. And when it comes to what folks around the NFL are thinking about this, Florio's opinion is one we want. He joins us on the BetQL guest hotline, bet smarter to beat the books. Download the BetQL app by visiting BetQL.com. Mike, thanks for joining us on Grant and Danny. Wow, what a last uh, 20 or so hours for Dan Snyder. What do you make of these developments? Well, it, it, it it's all, I think, a broader game, cat and mouse, back and forth. And I'm not really stunned that, somebody decided it was time to press the button on this $55 million secret loan, get that out there. Now it sure looks like something that Don Van Atta Jr. of ESPN.com didn't write in the past couple of days, but some of the reporting that had been emerging and it felt to me like it was the PR folks on behalf of Dan Snyder setting a narrative, setting an expectation that either Jeff Bezos, the Amazon founder, was completely out of the running, or maybe Snyder wasn't going to sell at all. I was starting to get this sense from some of these reports that the next shoe will be 
He's just not going to sell. As impractical as that may be, it felt like that's where it was going. This report about the secret loan that nobody had known about. Remember, this financial inquiry all started over keeping security deposits from season ticket holders and or the team allegedly not properly sharing visiting team money with the league. This thing just comes out of the blue, and and it it feels significant. It feels – and I I don't know. Is there a last straw? Is there ever a straw that breaks this camel's back? I don't know that this camel's back ever breaks, but this sure feels like something real and tangible and troubling from the standpoint of what it potentially can do to Dan Snyder's or likes to maybe facing federal charges. So maybe a dumb question and a dumb follow-up, but – why this one? Like, why does this feel so big to you? And when you say what could be coming down the pike, you know, what, what do you think that could be? Well, because it's so simple and it's so clear, and it apparently has the attention of the prosecutor in Eastern Virginia and the grand jury that's apparently looking into this. When you look at a $55 million line of credit, when you consider that the Rules and regulations applicable to the situation require the team's board of directors to expressly approve anything of that magnitude. And when there is no proof of any such approval, in fact, I think the Van Nat article says that one of the lawyers representing the team eventually acknowledged in writing that there never was approval. It just seems clear. It seems buttoned up. It seemed almost gift-wrapped that this is the proverbial hand in the cookie jar moment. And, 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 and again, who knows how, how that manifests itself as it relates to charges, but it just feels like it, it feels like the thing that, that finally pushes this forward to Dan Snyder taking the highest bid and moving on and getting past this goofy idea that anyone should indemnify him for anything. Just sell the team, take your money, and, and just move on and get out. And now it's not just get out. It's hope that you don't end up in some sort of a federal jackpot where you potentially end up, you know, spending a limited amount of time at a minimum security facility instead of floating around in the Mediterranean on your super yacht. Mike Florio with us here on Grant and Danny. I wanted to ask you about that part, for the story from The Post uh, about him wanting to be indemnified uh, about any future sort of legal proceedings. The the owners, of course, it sounds like, according to that reporting, were taken aback by that, and they said, well, actually, we're the ones who should be protected, not you, idiot. Just why is that such an outrageous ask for folks that may be uninitiated? Well, because, well, first of all, it makes me wonder what's out there that he's worried about, right? Is there something out there that he fears he's going to ultimately be responsible for, like the money that maybe possibly was diverted from the visiting team? fund and remember the allegation it was all brushed off as the product of a disgruntled employee is there something there and is he trying to avoid that or or does he just feel compelled to win something like i it's it's not enough for him to just walk away he's got to emerge with something that he can point to as a tangible gain even if it's meaningless but i i was stunned by it because again you handle all legal liabilities and account for that as part of your transaction. That's part of the, the agreement that's reached with his buyer 
and that buyer ends up presumably on the hook for any lingering liability, or there's money put in escrow to cover it. I mean, we're talking about a major multi-billion dollar transaction here. What legal liability is there that would that would take a chunk out of that significant enough for anyone to notice? That's that's how these these types of sales are, are typically accomplished. So the, the whole thing just seemed weird. And and it feels like he's a guy who's not in a position to be making demands. Why in the hell is he making demands? I was spitballing earlier, and I don't know what there is to add to this, but just to get your thoughts. on To your point, like what is he possibly worried about having to pay? Would something that comes down after he leaves legally be something he could be responsible for if it started when he was still there? Like, in other words, I was just thinking out loud, um, the Brian Flores or like a, a hiring practice lawsuit or something, if a bunch of owners had to throw money into a pot and, and lost out on that or head trauma type lawsuit or something like that, could it be something to that level or is it more something probably nefarious we don't know about, whether it's the story today or, or something else that just hasn't broken yet? But again, his share of anything that would be league-wide, that's something that he resolves with Jeff Bezos, whoever buys the team, right? You buy the team. And you step into the shoes of these potential liabilities. I mean, when you take these cases and you start carving them up 32 ways, it's not all that much money. It's just weird. And it made it to, in my opinion, and it just feels like it feels like if he's going to get pushed out, he's going to go with some sort of a victory, with some sort of a thing where he can say, I got them to give me something. And he, he shouldn't be in a position where he's making demands on anybody. And maybe that's the whole purpose of the gesture. He's lost by all appearances, but he feels compelled to make it look like he's won somehow. So, Mike, I want your thoughts on my theory here. I've, I've gotten the sense all along that Dan may be going along, but he's kind of doing what my nine-year-old does when he doesn't agree with me, and he's going kicking and streaming and pouting and being pissed off and dragging his feet and making this whole process miserable. And you seem kind of agitating here and there and creating these arbitrary totals that have to get met, otherwise he's not doing this, and now he's asking for legal protection and everything else. I got the sense that the NFL at large, whether it's Goodell or other owners or whomever else, finally said, dude, enough of this. Enough. Do it and shut up. And I feel like this story about the, um, uh, the you know the, the the deal with the minority owners and the fifty five million secret uh, loan and everything else is a shot across the bow. And they're holding the Mary Jo White investigation in reserve. And their their point here is we've got more ammo. I think they're basically saying it's time to go. Stop fighting. Yeah, I think you're right. And look, it's entirely possible that Don Van Atta's source, and I know it's bad form in our business to speculate on whose sources are, but it's not incomprehensible that he would have been given the paperwork, given the information, told, go ahead and write this up and have it ready, and I'll give you final authorization as to whether you can use it. And then final authorization to use it came in the aftermath of some of the stuff that's happened in recent days. I mean, it's just a broader dance, and it's a back-and-forth cloak-and-dagger. I, I And it, it, it just look at the reporting on whether or not Bezos is or isn't part of this transaction you've got multiple outlets saying he's been benched then you've got others saying he hasn't been and it's all who the source is but this is something concrete that you know if you read the vanetta article he he's gotten the relevant paperwork he's aware that this is real someone gave him this and i agree with the idea that that this may have 
roots in somebody finally saying, you know, it's time to get to get rough with this guy because that's the only way he's gonna he's gonna learn that we're serious about what we're saying here. Pro Football Talk NBC's Mike Florio on Grant and Danny. The first time I really remember any kind of excitement in town about the possibility of a sale, frankly, was a year ago at the Super Bowl when you were outside doing your hit by the water in in L.A. and you talked about essentially, and and I don't remember the specifics, but there were a bunch of owners who, who were tired of this guy and wanted him out. I bring that up to ask you, I've never thought that they'll even have a vote. I still don't. I also wonder if there would even be 24 votes out of the 30-plus that they need. But but I want to get an update on that. Like, A, do you think they would have a vote? My contention has always been that the owners don't want to lower the threshold and, and turn the eyes on themselves. But B, would they? And do you think that if they did, are we at a point where they would have 24 owners ready to kick him to the curb? Well... You've got different groups of owners with different agendas. There are some owners that will never admit this, but they love having dysfunctional inept owners in their midst because at any given moment, you don't have to take 10 to 12 teams seriously because of ownership. And then there are other owners that don't want to create a precedent that could potentially be used against them. I mean, all it takes is one unhappy employee to make an accusation that possibly sticks and starts a quote-unquote independent investigation, and the next thing you know, they're taking a vote on whether you should be removed. So I think all along this has been about protecting the other owners, not protecting Snyder. And then the other explanation that has bubbled up from time to time, they just don't want to fight with him. So I think they prefer that he just walk away. They prefer that he sell the team. They prefer they don't have to roll up their sleeves and get their hands dirty. And maybe – and the owners out there who are concerned that at some point the, you know, the, the mob will come for them, maybe they'll finally conclude, wait a minute, nobody else is ever going to do the kind of stuff this guy has allegedly or possibly done that gets themselves in the crosshairs of that kind of a push. So we may as well go ahead and support this. And really, the league is going to be better off moving forward, just given the, the way that the, the franchise is crumbled and the fans are despondent and you know it was a flagship franchise for years and and that's the sad part of this because the guy at his heart really is a fan of the team but the team is a is a shadow of what it once was and and uh, it will be better and the league will be better for it if if the team is is handed off to someone else. Mike, want to tap into your legal expertise here for a moment. Thinking of the the Eastern District of Virginia, federal prosecutors, and they're investigating. It, now, you've got the potentially tip of the iceberg here with uh, alleged bank fraud, but then it would stand to reason they might be able to find, you know, tax fraud if there's uh, doctored records to downplay revenue, then, you know, duping fans. Now you're into wire fraud. And there's a whole range of uh, of charges potentially possible. The reason I bring it up, not to uh, to, to muddy the waters, but to say, Legal proceedings like that are very significant. How does that affect the NFL process of going forward with a sale if there are these huge, huge, huge legal matters kind of overtaking everything? Well, this is just part of what has to be handled in the paperwork between Dan Snyder and whoever buys the team. I I don't think it slows things down. It's just part of what the owner needs to understand who comes in and takes over, how much of the money is set aside to handle those things, and who knows how many dollars we're talking about at the end of the day. But I, but I do think there's that separate side of this 
where there's the possibility of people getting in real trouble. And look, you know, the article from Don Van Adam makes it pretty clear that there were folks in the league office who were potentially trying to help brush this under the rug. I mean, does this thing ever become a jackpot for them? That the thing about the U.S. code, you start picking through it and you start looking at different provisions and you can start finding things, especially when you have a crime itself. If there's a crime itself and there were efforts by anyone to cover it up, you, you, you start getting yourself into other potential crimes and th- this thing could end up spiraling out of control. I mean, it's no shock that there's been this sense that the NFL is protecting Dan Snyder. And when you see Jeff Pash's name get mentioned in it, remember the emails between him and, and Bruce Allen. Uh, it, it really shouldn't surprise anyone if there's any reason to believe Jeff Pash is protecting the team at the behest of his friendship with Bruce Allen, but also that broader issue of they, they just, you know, I think at, at the core, whatever the violation is, whether it's tampering, whether it's anything that a team could do that could get itself in trouble. There's a reluctance by the league to do something about it and have to announce to the world, look, we have, we have corruption in our midst. Hey, anyone out there who may be inclined to try to regulate us, prosecute us, legislate against us, you should go ahead and pursue it because we got plenty of stuff going on that shouldn't go on. And I think that that is probably part of it as well. So, it, it, look, there are issues here that are going to linger well beyond the sale of the team. But when you're talking about six, seven billion, then so be it. You just move forward. But there is still going to be a price to pay, maybe by Snyder and maybe by some at 345 Park Avenue. Mike Florio, generous with his time with us here on Grant and Danny. All right, got a couple of more quick ones for you. The first is, do you think, just based on your background and, and you're more plugged in law-wise than I am, do you think that this could even raise to the level of bank fraud? Like a lot of the things, while crazy and amazing and, and pretty salacious in this story, he's paying himself $4.5 million to put a helmet on a plane that, that stays in a hangar because it's advertising or, you know, he, he's uh, using money that he says is for the team for himself. Like that's to me like shady billionaire doing shady billionaire stuff that, that people just do when they own these big companies. But the, the bank fraud part would be if, in fact, the bank kept asking for, we know via Van Nada, hey, we need these signatures or we need the permission from your minority owners. Where is that? And supposedly they just kept saying, oh, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. And then somehow the loan went through anyway. So do you think that this actually raises to the level of bank fraud or is it just kind of shady dealings? I've never researched that question, which is a fancy way for lawyers to say I don't know. But <laughs> if, we, if we accept the fact, the first time I ever heard one of the older lawyers at the firm I worked at 30 plus years ago say, it's like, man, that's genius. I'm going to use that for the rest of my life. But I, you know, it, it probably undermines the effect if you say that's a fancy way of saying uh, it's a way of saying I don't know but when you accept the fact that that you know forms have to be filled out boxes need to be checked information needs to be provided to the bank in order to get the money and you have not told the truth apparently about one of those fairly significant items i.e. I have done all the internal things necessary to qualify me to borrow this money and, uh, hey, we need the paperwork. Oh, checks in the mail or whatever. Oh, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. Oh, wait a minute, you know what? It never existed. That would seem to be a problem. That would seem to be a problem. And, uh, 
I, I think that the fact that it's being explored by the prosecutor and you know, look, this is what happens this is why people don't like to get audited on their taxes, because once somebody shows up and starts looking for something, sometimes they find things and sometimes they find something they never even knew they were looking for. And again, that's why some of these other owners may not want to get themselves in a position where anybody does an independent investigation of one thing because that one thing can lead to something else. And this all traces back to the allegations of employee misconduct or, you know, misconduct against female employees and everything that that sparked the original Beth Wilkinson investigation. And then the John Gruden emails are leaked. That gets Congress to start looking into it. And then you have the employee who starts talking about financial irregularities. There's a lot of stuff going on out there that nobody ever has the occasion to look into. So it just feels to me like there's meat on the bone as it relates to this bank fraud concept. And, and, and it, it just feels like something that is not going to be easy to escape. Mike, last one before we let you go here. Roger Goodell doesn't come off looking particularly good um, in, in that Don Venata story. How much trouble might he be in? Well, he's only in as much trouble as his primary constituents want him to be in, and those are the 32 owners who have paid him handsomely to be their pincushion for unpopular policies and procedures. But, you know, if there, if there is a smoking gun, and there may never be, to show that he was responsible for trying to cover this up or conceal it, you know, what he knew, what he should have known, maybe there'd be somebody around him who takes the fall. But it's intriguing. It's intriguing to think that there's an argument to be made that people high up in the league office were responsible for concealing uh, evidence that, that could lead to a reasonable conclusion that some sort of crime had been committed. And again, my, my guess is the U.S. code is broad enough that if we start with the premise that somebody had violated the law, any efforts by anyone else to keep that from coming to light that puts them in dangerous ground as well. Mike Florio, Pro Football Talk, and, of course, NBC. Thank you so much for the time. We really appreciate it. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, guys. Great talking to you. Yeah, you as well. There's Mike Florio on Grant and Danny here on 106.7 The Fan. Man, what a show and what a collection of uh, insiders and analysts gracious. we've had on. What stood out? <laughs> the other owners being fed up and actually finally doing something about it. You know what I mean? We went from, yeah, they'll probably never vote him out, to I now believe that if they voted right now this minute, they'd vote him out. For me, it's that none of the folks that are involved in law, and even Florio to some degree with his background is, I would say, said definitively, yeah, this doesn't really feel like it ends up with any kind of a crime having been committed. Now, they also didn't say that it, he would be charged with anything, but I kind of expected more dismissive. Yeah, he's not going to be in big trouble for defrauding a bank, his point is, oh, let's see where this goes. <laughs> yeah. It's wow. time to thread. Danny Noakes has overtime coming your way next here on 106.7 The Fan, so you want to keep it right here. Tomorrow, we're actually going to get to talk some football, I hope. Then again, there's there's a lot of time. There's like 20 hours. Nothing's between. broken on him for 12 hours. Now what are we, when we start. So is we'll somebody the gonna... culture is actually damn good. That's right, Bruce. Miss you, pal. Bruce is smiling somewhere today, isn't he? He's grinning. He's having a scotch right now as we speak. Uh, Jahan Dotson of the Commanders is going to join us tomorrow. Hell yeah. At 3 o'clock. I'm excited about that. So we'll have him on the show here on G&D tomorrow. We'll look back at his NFL combine a year ago. Led to him climbing up the draft boards. That dude's going to be a stud. For Danny, I'm Grant saying so long. Thanks to Darris and Ryan behind the scenes. 
Danny's next with overtime. Thank you for coming. It has only been four days since Josh Kosman of the New York Post had the story that Jeff Bezos been benched by the commanders in the quest to sell the team by Dan Snyder. He had his sources telling him that Bezos has not been a part of the bidding. Snyder doesn't want him to be. And that was the bombshell and the big story at the start of the week yesterday. It feels like that was a month ago because of last night's developments with the Washington Post and now today with ESPN, Dan Snyder being investigated for bank fraud, criminal inquiry taking place, letters like the FBI used in that story, Mm. IRS. This is not good. Uh, But there is so much still to discuss on this sale front. So we've been trying to track uh, Josh Kosman down for a couple days, and we are lucky to have him on the MGM National Harbor Lines right now. Josh, thank you for joining us on Grant and Danny. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me. So why don't we begin with, before we get into the developments now, the last 24 hours and and your thoughts as someone following this story on, on what's come out, your report from four days ago that Jeff Bezos is not involved in the bidding as much as he'd like to be right now. What can you tell us? Well, um, so our information, which was later confirmed by The Athletic, was that Bezos has actually hired Allen and company a few months ago. So the Washington Post had said that Bezos had hired uh, the investment bank, um, showing that he was exploring a bit. In reality, he'd been working with Allen and co for months. Um, and uh, several times it asked to be in the auction process and several times was told to uh, take a hike. Big picture, 30,000-foot view here, Josh. What's kind of the status of this sale or non-sale, however you want to describe it? (laughs) Well, it might have just changed in the last 24 hours. Um, But I think until 24 hours ago at least, it seemed like Snyder didn't get the bids he wanted. I mean, that's not seems. He didn't get the bids he wanted. He asked for a minimum of $6 billion. There was no solid $6 billion bid. Um, and that uh, we were reaching the end of the auction process, and that made, left him with the decision of whether to sell to one of the two bidders. Now, we you know it's out there that Tillman Fertitta is the other besides Josh Harris for less than he wanted, or whether he would open this up to Bezos or decide not to sell. We seem to be at a crossroads where one of those three things were going to happen. Certainly after the last 24 hours, it, uh, the pressure on Snyder is just um, you know multiplied, and now it might be harder for him not to sell. It would certainly seem that way, and we can get into that in a moment. Going back to Bezos, is it your belief that Snyder actually would not sell to him? Or is it your belief that he is currently saying that so that Bezos ups the amount he's willing to buy the team for? Either is possible. And I don't want to pretend that I can get inside Snyder's head. That's not easy to do, and probably I shouldn't try. (laughs) Um, So I don't know. It could be either. My feeling is there there were people in October, November, December, when he hired Bank of America who felt that this was all a ruse. This was a way to take the pressure off the congressional hearings uh, into his activities, uh, satisfy the NFL, and at least say he explored a sale. Um, There was some evidence of that. He hired Bank of America on very short notice. Typically, when you hire a bank to sell a, a, a company or a team, you give them months 
you do your talking with them, you're negotiating. This was a very rushed process. And then when he set $6 billion as his internal uh, minimum bid, uh, I know that the press said seven or eight, but internally he said six, but six is still very high. It also made it look like this might be set up to fail. So um, comparing in New York, the Mets were for sale for a few years ago in a process that was a little similar, in which Steve Cohen, the hedge fund bazillionaire, was the logical suitor. And the owners, the Mets owners, didn't really want to sell to him, and they started the auction without him. And then Cohen came in and successfully bought the team. The difference there is, I believe, Fred Wilpon and Saul Katz, the Mets, really wanted to sell. Um, And at the end, they took what was the best price. I think there it was gamesmanship. Here, it seems as though Snyder didn't really want to sell. But again, a lot might have just changed. Josh Kosman, New York Post with us here on Grant and Danny. And I wanted to get to that very element of this thing, Josh. I've always thought, and I just I just want your reaction, your thoughts on this. I've always felt like this is all under duress from Dan Snyder's perspective. I think he's doing this kicking and screaming. I think he'd rather just go back to have everything be the way that it was, but then that, that option may not be available to him. I get the sense that he's... You know, he's going to his room, but he's being drugged there by both parents, if that, if that's a poorly drawn analogy. Uh, and I think evidence maybe supports that. Give me your thoughts. Well, I think you're right, but I think that possibly after uh, one night of detention, he was going to be let back out. The timing is interesting of what the Washington Post reported, but that is going to make it harder for him to be uh, for his detention to be over. I, mean, I don't know. I don't know what's happening. I mean, as far as what's this, you know, what's going on with the suitors and the bank and Dan, I have not heard anything new in the last day. So I'm just surmising what might have changed. But that was a bombshell. It certainly was. So let's kind of pivot into these last 24 hours. Then I, I actually, I think on our show, and I've heard you on another show in town, suggest something along the lines of, and I don't remember the exact terminology you used. But maybe that Dan hadn't given all the, the money details uh, that, mm-hmm. that some of the prospective bidders wanted or found since, and they didn't like that. Were you talking about this $55 million loan thing? Were you kind of hinting at that or no? No, I didn't know that. No. I, I, it's, it's more just at the earlier – I'd like to give myself credit for that, but I'd be lying. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just more that – you know, there have been allegations which are out there before today about uh, potential financial irregularities, potentially not paying all his ticket gate revenue or accounting for it. Um, that's what I was referring to. No, what happened, the you know, the, what, what the revelations today, if true, is stuff I was honestly not aware of. And, and then you've also said, I think, to us that you've heard that the number they bring in, their profit or, or their, their the revenue is $150 million a year at this point, right? Right, that's earnings. That's about $150 million in what's called EBITDA, or just think of it as earnings. So what I find interesting about that is that in the Don Van Nata piece via ESPN today, via his reporting, in 2009, they were at about $250 million. And that's right. And I understand that COVID in 2020 you know, took, took a shot at everyone, but I'm curious how that $150 million compares to other teams, if there's any way of, of knowing that, because I can only imagine that, to me, is, is the effect – in the pocket of these owners that me and Danny talk about all the time, which is attendance going down, people not buying the gear, people saying I'm not going to spend a penny as long as he's around. So eventually, the other owners are not going to like that. And if we're down a hundred billion, uh, excuse me, hundred million dollars in terms of what this team brings in, I would say we're there, right? 
I would say we're there and the other owners and uh, I would say certainly the majority of the other owners will probably love to have Jeff Bezos. He will pay the highest price. Um, he, he comes pretty much controversy free. If as far as they're concerned, in a bigger sense, Bezos is pretty controversial, but um, pretty clean um, for, for what they'd be looking for. And if he pays, say, $6 billion, it'll raise the value of all teams, um, get rid of a problem in Dan Snyder. It, it's a pretty perfect solution. Goodell likes Bezos. Um, Bezos arguably would be an active owner who would care about improving the team and have the money to do so. Uh, he probably wouldn't need any public financing to build a new stadium in D.C. or in the D.C. area. So, yeah, I think the NFL owners would love to have Bezos. Um, what they need is, uh, if if Dan isn't willing to sell, is they need a reason to force him out, and that might have just happened today. Josh, how do potential lawsuits or you know investigations or otherwise complicate compl- complicate rather, or do they even complicate a, a potential sale? I think they complicate this one. Um, I, I think that, I mean, it will, I, I have honestly not spoken to anyone close to the suitors since the ESPN report. So I would just guess it, it'll, it'll force them to do a little more due diligence or a lot more. But I would think the bigger real impact, because football teams are football teams, is um, they're not that hard to figure out their finances um, I think the real, the, the 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 real importance is if Snyder is in deep trouble, um, better to sell now and make a nice profit, and, or as opposed to wait till March 26th when the owners meeting, the NFL owners meeting happens, where there already is a contingent I'm sure who would like to force him out and let it come to a vote where you're going to be really embarrassed and it becomes a fire sale. We're not quite at a fire sale point now, but we could end up there in the not too distant future if things still continue to play to roll out like they did today. Josh Cosman of the New York Post. Now, as of your reporting, as of four days ago, Josh Harris had not actually submitted a bid yet. He was still trying to get his money in order. Is that right? Correct. And then Tillman Fertitta, who owns the Houston Rockets, had submitted a bid, but at that point, he was the only guy who had done that. Why was it it wasn't just you, I think it's a bunch of people, but a lot of people are saying he, he pitched $5.5 billion, but and I don't know if this was your words or someone else's, but he's not a front runner or he's not expected to get the, the, the team. I find that interesting because if, if we only need to get to $6 billion and he's the only guy so far that has made a bid, and he's I know a half billion is a half billion, but he's the closest to it, why would it seem like he's some kind of long shot at this point? I don't think he's a long shot. I think he's the front runner. You do over Josh well, Harris. Well, I think Bezos is the, you know, I don't know. Maybe they're co at this point. Maybe they're co favorites in a way because clearly Bezos would be the favorite if he gets allowed in. But let me ask um, you this: in a world where Bezos never gets to bid because Dan Snyder right. just tells him that, to kick rocks, you would yep. say Fratita is the most likely guy to buy the Commanders. Yes, I would. And is that because Harris just hasn't gotten his bid yet? Couldn't he just sell off part of one of his teams and then have the money he needs? He could. Just hasn't made that move yet. But, yes, he could. Potentially he could. I think the reason to me is that, and, yes, he could do that. I think Josh looks at owning sports teams. Remember, he owns the Sixers, the Devils, and Crystal Crystal Palace Palace in England. So he looks at this 
as a financial investment. I'm not saying he doesn't care about his teams because I think he does, but he's more he's doing this more as a way to make money than being a um, a fan, for lack of a better way of putting it. Um, this is about business, um, and that is true for some owners, probably the minority. Um, while someone like Tillman, uh, who who also would care about making money, but I, I think Tillman would more love owning a football team for the sake of owning a football team, and so he could be a larger personality on the stage, on the sports stage. So I think he might be willing to reach a little more than Josh, and I believe that Josh sees the $6 billion price, and I think he sees it as too expensive, not just too expensive that he can't afford it, just that it doesn't make a lot of sense. So, you know, remember, while the Broncos got $4.65 billion six months ago, a record price uh, paid for by Walmart heir Rob Walton, who's also, like Bezos, a bazillionaire, um, the Panthers only sold for 2.2, and that's not that long ago. So while it is true that sports team prices continue to rise, um, there is an argument we're in a bubble right now. Um, and uh, you don't want to be the one standing there when the helium comes out. And I think there's some concern by Josh. I, again, people will – either Josh or Tillman seem to be willing to pay more than was paid for the Broncos. But $6 billion is an awfully high number. Josh, assuming no further, you know, legal wranglings, which I think is a major assumption, uh, given, <laughs> given <laughs> recent yeah. developments. Uh, but let's say, assuming nothing else, and we and whatever course we're on, we're on there. When will when will we feel confident? When will we know something definitively? Uh, just to just you know, so reading the tea leaves here, given that big view uh, with your reporting and everything else that you've seen to this point, when will we know one way or the other? Or have a good feeling at least. Uh, I would think we'll know within a few weeks. I think it'll be pretty soon. And, and the timing of this report, and again, props to them for breaking the report, and I didn't know. I didn't know what they reported. Um, that's news to me. Um, it does seem like it is possibly time to pressure Snyder to sell the team. It also may very well be true, but the, the timing is interesting. Did, do you think Fertitta and Harris knew about this? I mean, could they be in the process as deep as they are and learning right. things like this when they're broken. Look, it's only a, we'd all be guessing here. There's enough parties that would like to force Snyder to sell. The NFL would like to. Would Goodell be aware of this? Sure, he probably would be. You know, would Bezos be aware of it? Sure, he probably would be. Uh, would the bidders be aware of it? Less likely, but possible. Um, those former minority owners, you know, a Fred Smith, would he be aware? I don't know, runs Federal Express. He's pretty powerful. He could. Um, so so I, I think it's, at least in my mind, it's hard to know how that story came to be. Um, but, but I guess if I was going to be conspiratorial, and again, I have no idea, I'd probably lean more with either the NFL or Bezos knowing. The last time we had you on, you had mentioned there was a mystery bidder. You were like 80% sure who it was. Was that for Tita, or is that still yes, somebody it was. else? No, that was Tillman. Okay. So he was the mystery bidder, but it has been reported that there have been three different tours by prospective owners over in Ashburn, and presumably Jeff Bezos hasn't been given one of those tours. I wouldn't think. <laughs> it doesn't seem so. Mm -hmm. So, um, so I I don't know. I 
I have heard there are only two. I know that the commanders are kind of whispering out that there's three. Um, I don't see any evidence, but I don't have perfect knowledge. I, I still believe there's only two. And is there, I understand the owners' meetings and the Mary Jo White investigation and some of the things coming up, but is there any kind of timelines that actually dictate? Let's just say Danny Ruye wanted to bid on this team. Is there right. a date where he has to say, I'm in? Or can someone just, as long as the team is in this sale that will never end, can someone just come <laughs> forward at any time? Like, what's to keep anybody, whether it's Bezos or someone else, from just kind of waiting and then jumping in in three months and saying, here's $5.8 billion? Uh, probably nothing. I mean, but the but the, the the danger for Snyder is, which just increased in the last 24 hours by a lot, is that the NFL will not allow him to go into next season owning the commanders, that there will be a vote and three quarters of the owners will vote him out. Um, my sense before, you know, within the last week, but not be, not in the last 24 hours um, was that it was a question mark whether three quarters of the owners would vote him out and whether Goodell would bring it to a vote. Goodell probably won't unless he knows he has the votes. Um, after today, again, I don't know, but you would think that perhaps an owner or two just flipped to the no column. Josh, great with meaning, us. Meaning you have to go out, you have to leave. And if that's the case, then there is a timetable, and Snyder would have to – he either sells now on his own or he waits until he's forced to sell, and that might be an uglier situation. Sorry, I didn't mean to jump in there, Josh. Always appreciate okay. the time, man. Great information as always. Thank you. Sure, no problem. Thank you. Josh Kosman of the New York Post. Um, outstanding information from him. You know, it, it seemed like four days ago when he came out with that Bezos bombshell that actually, because remember, the, before that, the, the latest development was Bezos has hired this firm, his music's playing. He's mm-hmm. about to buy the team, maybe. He's out of the chat. Except Snyder's not allowing him to bid on the team. And it was Cosman who had that report first. And now that seems like a long time ago. We got Mike Florio coming up in 40 minutes at 6 o'clock. We're going to get reactions from around the NFL via Florio. What is going on in other teams' front offices and in ownership circles based on this ESPN report that Dan Snyder's being investigated now for possible bank fraud and a criminal inquiry from the FBI and the IRS is supposedly taking place. We'll ask Florio at 6. I actually want to tap into listeners. We haven't had a chance to take calls in a little while today on whether or not they really care what happens with Dan in the future if he's gone. In other words, if he sells, do you actually care if he gets charged with anything? Do you care if he ends up being found as having committed bank fraud or or what becomes of him in London if he buys another team? Is your priority just that he doesn't own the commanders and nothing else matters to you? Or or is there more that you would follow and want to see as it pertains to what happens next for Dan? Let's get into that next. G&D right here on The Fan. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. 
Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of colors starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.